Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to the Bradley Wiggins Show by Eurosport, the home of cycling in association with Lacquer Bicycle Insurance. I'm Graham Wilgos and Brad, we're back in the pub, but it's not just you and me today. No, we've got William Defoe here from Platoon, our cameraman, who's actually a lookalike William Defoe. Well, our cameraman, Scott. And of course, Dan Lloyd, anchor extraordinaire. Dan Lloyd, welcome to the Bradley Wiggins Show. Thanks very much, Graham. Stage five already, the Giro d'Italia. Yeah. Meleto to Camilliatello Solano and Ineos have got their mojo back. Filippo well, not- yeah, not just Ineos, but one ride in particular. Filippo Ganna taking Ganna. the stage win with uh, an awesome solo breakaway from the breakaway, just as the peloton were closing in within the final 16 kilometres and soloing, um, which doesn't really do it justice, does it? Well, climbing and descending. On um, terrain that no one expected to see a performance like of the, of the, of the light, you know? Yeah, and so an awesomely impressive win. Um, his second win at the Giro in the space of five days, Brad. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, we keep, you know, these superlatives to put it into into context, but he's 82 kilos. It was a 22-kilometer climb. At one point, he looked like he was going to get dropped from the break. Um, next minute, he's off the front, and he's just a phenomenon. Um, I've, he was incredibly impressive from a young age on the track in the individual pursuit. Set a world record this year that most team pursuits will struggle to go faster than. He just seems to be getting better and better. He's dominant, like, almost unbeatable in any time trade rides. Um, and today on terrain, as we say, it resembled the likes of Jan Ulrich, um, Miguel Indurano, big riders. Um, even Dan said in um, post-show today that, is there any resemblance with yourself? I don't think there is. I think he's um, genetically, physically gifted. I couldn't do that at his age. Not many riders could. I mean, he, he is a, he's a phenomenon. But it's a fair question, Dan, because he's got a similar background to you, Brad, in coming from the track. Okay, he's come to the road maybe yeah. a little bit earlier, at 24. Yeah, but I would say he's... I mean, I couldn't replicate what I did on the track on the road then. Mm. And he's, um, it took me years of specialization. He seems to do it like that, you know? And he, he's far more talented, gifted, as I say, physically and genetically. I had to train to reach those powers in order to win those time trials. He has a natural ability, much like Cancellara did, at huge power-ups. Stanard's the same. It's... it's transfer not all riders can transfer that power like Ian Stannard huge power outputs but could never produce it in a time trial um, whereas he is able to do that and with those powers and the weight I mean it doesn't even seem that body weight you know you don't have to lose 10 kilos he's, um, he's already there almost I would say he rode away on that climb with such ease didn't he well and I think I think he was working for Puccio in that break. He was, Certainly he was, that's what he his was team Salvatore thought. Puccio's wingman. He yeah. was doing a lot of work the on the, the front. If he, wasn't, if he was working for himself, he was doing an awful lot of work on the front. So I think he was just there thinking, well, I'll work for Puccio. He's a decent climber. Maybe not the best in this group, but I've got no chance. And then just obviously felt phenomenal on that final climb. I think he struggled a bit on the steep section, didn't he? He got distanced slightly at one point. But when the gradients were at 4 or 5%, his raw power came through. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to see the numbers. Like, uh, as Brad says... 82 kilograms going up any climb. Like that, that guy, I would say, 
So well, I know yeah. for the Terrain Adriatico time trial of about 10 minutes, he was over 500 watts yeah, for that. Yeah, I would say so over 500 watts. I'd imagine like what he can do for an hour is probably 470-ish. Yeah, I mean, because he's, he's got a good position on his TT bike. But I wouldn't say he's like, that's where he differs from me because I had a good time trial position, but I had very narrow shoulders, a very narrow frame, quite narrow legs, skinny legs. And I was sort of, that aided me. And my height and size and being able to leverage powers required for those efforts but i also had a small frame and that riders of that height and weight sometimes struggle because he's 82 kilos for a body mass reason you know muscle um you've only got to push that through the air and i wouldn't say time job position is that i mean it's a good time job position but some riders uh, i'm trying to think of certain riders that um really look aerodynamic he looks aerodynamic but it's his power that is causing the force and the power production that's called the speed, which reminds me of Cancellara. Cancellara didn't have the best position, but he had that mass to push through the air, but it was his power that did that. And that is what's most impressive is, you know, some riders have this amazing extreme time trial position that looks incredible, wind tunnel-esque, you know, but his isn't. It's just, it's power that does it. And that's where it differs to me because I had a much narrower frame. And so I'm glad you mentioned Cancellara because uh, Ghana grew up idolizing Brad yourself, Cancellara and, and, and Tom Bonin. Yeah. Um, so but he's, he's very much Tom Bonin's frame and on the time trial bike and climbing. That, it's kind of those, you, that's the sort of size you're talking. Whereas you look at G on the time trial bike or Chris Froome, they're like half the size, well, they're the same height. And uh, that's what's most impressive with him. I mean, he's a big lad when you see him, you know, when you're in, in, in front of him. He's not, you know, he's broad and so those shoulders have got to go somewhere when you're time trialing. There's only so much you can put them in and that's always going to be his limiter, but it doesn't slow him down, which means his legs and the power production is phenomenal. It is just raw power, isn't it? I mean, there can't be many riders in the pro peloton that are his size. I think, you know, everyone increasingly is getting leaner and leaner these days. And I'm not saying he's not lean, but he's big boned, isn't he? Into, like, yeah, his voice was very similar, wasn't he? He was a big guy, yeah. Big but guy. Like, these days he it's... He could climb, but he, he didn't have that finesse on a bike. He looked like a, like a duck landed on ice, didn't he, really, most of the time? <laughs> But I think that's like you said, he, he um, you know, reminiscent of Miguel Indrain because he also didn't have a phenomenal time trial position. It was just raw power. And because he had that raw power, he could go faster in the time trials and even lug his frame up the climbs. Reminds of Taylor Finney a little bit when he came into the scene. Big raw power guy, you know. But Taylor wasn't capable of climbing like that. So that what was your best time in the individual pursuit? 4.12, And how much difference do you think has been ago. made through clothing and... Lots, yeah. since then. I would say lots, yeah. And Gannon's got it down to but four no, minutes only, and one only second. Natural, isn't he? Only natural lots. What I'm, if he'd have been riding then, um, I don't think I could have beat him then on the track because it's his physical makeup. It's not the bike and the skin suit that is making him do those times. That's not the reason for it. He's a, he's, um, a physical specimen. And I'd, I, would have, I don't think I'd have beat him looking back if I'm completely honest with numbers and all that because he'd have had the same equipment, you know? Well, I mentioned Rob there. Um, here's how Rob Hatch called it for us on Eurosport today. But here it's a smile, it's delight, and yet again it's going to be success. He sees the finish line. He's all alone. And Filippo Ganna, who idolised Tom Bowden, Bradley Wiggins, Fabian Cancellara, has ridden like all three of them together today. He's been strong to get away. He's climbed like a goat in the mountains and he is going to ride a time trial alone to the finish. Ganna has done it. 
six hours of racing and now for the first time in his professional career he's the winner of a proper road race much more than a time trialist is there any limit to what Filippo Ganna can achieve for now it's another stage win at the Giro d'Italia top Ganna guns out again um, so Brad Dario Cioni said at the end um, who, who, a man you know well from now on we'll be counting on Ganna um, on different parts of the course do you think that might even have been a surprise to Ineos today exactly what he's done there so he said Cioni I'll give you the rest of his quote he said breakaway all day long nasty conditions showed how strong he was and he was pretty clever with how he dealt with it today yeah I mean the fact he was riding for Pucho shows that I actually think he surprised himself and he would do it it's his first Giro so first Giro first Grand Tour he's just getting better and better all the time and Sometimes, you know, when, when you, you get on the front and just go for it, and you're feeling good. I mean, he just booted it up that climb. I don't think he knows what he's capable of, and he's learning all the time. Well, so here's, here's the next question then. What, what might he be capable of? And like, even in this Giro, is it a shame that we've already seen him lose that time when he was working for Garrett Thomas to try and get Thomas back into the field on stage three up Mount Etna? Well, if they were riding for him since the start, he'd still be in contention with DC, I think. We didn't know that five days ago. He didn't know that. Yeah. You know, his concentration was a prologue. Having just won a world title. You know, at no point would they have thought, Philippe, you're going to go for the Giro GC. You know, he's quite, although he's 25, 26, he's quite adolescent, which isn't derogatory in any way, because he's very mature as an athlete and can execute his rides. But he's quite adolescent in his demeanor and the way he carries himself. He's always smiling. He's quite joyous. When you follow his Instagram, he's always like happy with his girlfriend and messing around in Italy, always smiling. He's not rocking up at the start, Mr. Robotic, um, serious, every gram of carbohydrate to the... He's like, it's like he's a junior that is just the biggest junior who's dominating. And that's not to be diminished or be derogatory in any way. Um, it actually makes him better for the sport because, you know, there's, especially the team like Indios is... Riders can be so serious and uh, dialed and this, that, and the other. We see that, but come on after the thing today. You know, he doesn't say things like, I've been working for this. I'm just glad it's paid off all the train, all the sacrifice. He's just like, I never imagined he would win a state and he's just smiling and it's like, every, it takes everything you stride, you know? He's one of them kind of riders where you just sort of um, say, you know, go and give it some. You can win this race. And he does, and he does. And he's like, see, I told you. He's like, it's just, uh, he's, uh, he's phenomenal. And the blue jersey is his reward today, Dan. Yeah, well, he's going to get a lot more rewards in the future now. So I was just about to say that last couple of years, uh, I've always put a little bit of money on Ghana for Paris-Roubaix. I think he won like the under-23 Roubaix or something. Yeah, yeah. He, he could sort of go either way, couldn't he? Yeah. And I, I, I kind of feel like if I was him, I might go more the classics route because whilst he and Brad were about the same weight, you know, when Brad was focused on the track and whilst he's focused on time trials on the track at the moment, you know, I'd, I'd still say that Brad was slightly more of a slender build. Like, if you just look yeah. at Ganna's knees and ankles, he's just he's just a big guy. And I'm not sure how capable he would be of getting down to the sort of 70, even 74 kilograms. He, he just strikes me as someone that's always going to be at least 78, which I know is what Miguel Indrain was, but he's another guy that's going to have to make a choice at some point because the sport's just getting more and more specialised and... Apart from Wout van Aert, maybe. You know, most people have got to be either grants or contenders or time trialists or classic specialists or whatever. 
So the, the blue jersey for Ghana today, he's already won war, sorry, the, the pink jersey um, in this tour. Ineos riding better when the pressure is off. Is that what we're seeing this season? When li- very little is expected of them? No, I don't think so. It's a different team. And they've got such talent across the board and such. They've got so many players. It's not, it's not Ineos in terms of like a football team where you put the same 11 out and now sure. they're performing better. This is a different team. And these are their other players that we haven't really seen. But we have seen them. We saw them in Torino and that because Ghana won there. It's just their tour team wasn't up to what it has been in the past. But this isn't Ineos as a whole. You know, it's just, it was always going to happen and they were always going to win. You know, it's very easy to generalise a whole team that they've not done very well. But they have, of course. They were winning early in the season. Um, they were winning on midi league or whatever that race has now become. You know, so it's um, the tour team failed as a unit, but through their leader getting injured, etc., as well. But they did win a stage. Other riders, individuals had good performances, but it wasn't. It wasn't. Um, you know, that is just billed as the biggest race of the year that they've always got right. Um, G couldn't help crashing and would have very much been in the frame. But these guys would have all been supporting G, as we said, had he got pink. They're just now free to do what they want, really, and, and have a go and. And they are doing it, which is what happened at the tour in the last week. So fund, it's not been a fundamental failure from all year. And you, well, I was just about to say that you know you wouldn't you wouldn't put it past, or actually you'd say it's probable that Ghana's going to win four stages. There's two more time trials here, mm. unless they pull him out of the Giro, like I hope they will, and send him to Paris Bay. Yeah. Um, so to round out the podium today, Ghana came in 34 seconds ahead of the rest of the field. Uh, Bora's Patrick Conrad in uh, second and João Almeida uh, defending the Malia Rosa. He extends his lead to 43 seconds on GC. We expect Almeida to, to hold on to... Sorry, just on that, Graham, does Paris Bay overlap with this race? Yes, yeah, in the last day of the Giro. Yeah. I had a thought, do you think Sagan would do that? pull out of you? Well, I don't know. After points I, jersey is gone. Yeah, I've had the same thought or even Arnaud Demar. Like, but the, can you the, start two races on the same day? Well, you have to get dispensation from the UCI. So if you, if you pull out injured, they intent, often give you yeah. dispensation to then restart yeah. if you've recovered in time to do it. Because you race. can't start a race where the, that coincides that with another race. the when one you, yeah. that you pulled out from. Yeah, With intent to go to that race. It has to be through no fault of your own. Well, no, I don't know that. I think it's literally well, that's what it normally the, is, isn't it? I think it's literally just the dispensation of the UCI. Like, yeah, but I they, think that's based on if you've crashed and you're out and you want to start racing again or you've got ill, then they will give you that. You can't just climb off at the feed on the Saturday and then go and start the race on Sunday right. with intent, you know? Well, there might be a few feigned illnesses then in the well, late this in is the second saying, week. Yeah, yeah, got a bellyache. What would you want to do if you were Ghana at this point? That's a hard question to answer. I mean, I can't answer it from it. I don't know. I really don't know. He might not want to do Paris-Roubaix. Who knows? What would you do with your career if you were Ghana at this point? What would you focus on? Well, I don't know. There's so much emphasis now on pressure to become a GC rider. And, and if you don't, it's like, oh, it's a shame. You know, he probably couldn't win. And I don't know why the Grand Tours... Do you think this guy could win a Grand Tour? It's, it's like it's become the Holy Grail. Well, that might, be, that might have come from you. I think a lot of people that are good time trialists with a, a high threshold power probably looked at you and thought well he's lost a load of weight and then he won the Tour de France so maybe is, I can do is that is winning a Grand Tour the, the Holy Grail over someone like Ghana now going I want to try and win or Van Aert I want to try and beat the Paris-Roubaix record or I want to win five Flanders you know that's my guy I always wanted to be a classic rider and that's my guy I want to win the world title one day I never watched the Tour de France people you know people riders like that it's there's got to come from the rider, unless they like the idea and the challenge of it. But other than that, 
you might go, well, do you know what? I don't really, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I want to do that. And I, I think there's always an emphasis. People say, do you think this guy could win a Grand Tour one day? So you might not want to. It's as simple as that. And that question never gets asked. And I don't know why a Grand Tour, to win a Grand Tour, you might be capable and have all the qualities and get to the weight where you're capable. But again, look what Grant happened to Grant this year. That crash. Richie Port, how many tours was he in shape to win it? And look what happened to him. I only won one. I crashed one year, this, that, and the other. It, so that puts into perspective the, the likes of Chris Froome's exploits and how many grand tours he's won. Because it's, it's hard. And it, how much you have to go through in order to do that. And that's what makes him so special as an athlete. Just to win one's hard enough. Lacquer's collective cover is made especially for cyclists, for life on and off your bike. Lacquer has flipped outdated traditional insurance on its head with no more fixed upfront premiums. Instead, your monthly contributions are based on the collective's claims that month. Your max monthly price is capped, but the savings are all yours. Plus, 80% of your money goes straight back into the collective, fixing, replacing, and helping. And the other 20% keeps their wheels spinning. It's as simple as that. And when things go bad, Lacquer's got your back. Claims are handled by experts and usually agreed within a day, with no depreciation or excess. They've ditched annual contracts locking you in. With Lacquer, if you want to leave, you can, anytime. Head over to www.lacquer.co, where new customers can get £10 credit by signing up today with the discount code WIGGINS. Welcome back to the Bradley Wiggins Show, sponsored by Alaka Bicycle Insurance. Chaps, we left before the break, we left it at João Almeida, extending his lead uh, in the Maglia Rossa to 43 seconds. Uh, just to pick out a couple of, I think what we would call the main contenders on GC, Vincenzo Nibali, one minute and one second uh, in fifth. Seventh, Jakob Fulsang, one minute and 19. Uh, and in eighth place, uh, Stephen Krauswick at one twenty-one. What do we make of the GC at this point? I know it's still early days, but, but those three are sitting pretty, right? Yeah, I noticed you've eliminated Simon Yates out of that. Well, I'm going to come to Simon Yates because we've got three Brits clustered together in 19, 20 and 21st place. So Teo is actually the top place Brit on GC at three minutes and 18. He finished in the main group today, as did Simon Yates. James Knox in 20th, three minutes and 26. And Simon is three minutes and 52. So we saw him today dropping out of the main group and, and sort of riding his way back in. Um, but he managed to managed to finish with the main GC contenders. I think James Knox has got a great chance of finishing in the top 10, the way that the GC's panned out. I think the way the GC's panned out and already the action we've had on day, we're only on day five, Nibali will get better in two weeks' time for that last four days. His experience will pay dividends, as will Jakob Fulshanks. Um, Kreisweg, I think he'll... Because of these crash, I think he'll he'll get better as the race goes on. His crash in the Dauphiné you're talking yeah, about here. I think yeah. he's got a podium, potential podium in him here. Now we've got rid of G, etc. Um, there's a chance for a surprise in that top four or five. Um, Pozzavivo will be there, top ten. Um, and I think Simon Yates has the potential, having lost Geraint, etc., to climb his way back into a potential podium spot. Because if he's three minutes down in three, two and a half weeks' time, he'll be on the podium. There's something wrong with him at the moment, though, isn't there? Well, I don't know. There seem... It must be. I mean, he, he won that stage of Torino. He yeah. went away from Geraint on that mountaintop finish. 
you know, that was just a couple of weeks before this race started. And so, so having he, looked so good then, yeah, he now. went in his second favourite behind Geraint to win the race here. And you know, that that climb today, it they didn't go that hard up it. You know, there was still a group of what 20, 25 right. Even Simon Yates on bad form would have stayed in that group, but he like you see, he was distanced. There's, there's an underlying issue. I don't know what it is. Yeah, it must it's be a slight yeah. illness or something. But if, as yeah. long as he can, so he can get through this bit. I mean, the next few days, I don't think are particularly decisive from a GC point of view. The next one's maybe Sunday. If you can get through that and get over whatever illness it is, then, you know, like I yeah. said, it's a long way you still know, to go after that. You know, when he finished that stage the other day on, on Etna, he had his shirt fully undone. He looked in distress. He looked in pain. And I haven't seen him look like that since he finished that stage from one in the Giro when he won the race. And that was a long time ago. It's very, Simon and Adam are very, very consistent. They're always there and present in races. So, like Dan said, there must be an issue with him. But I only saw the interview that Matt White gave straight after the race, and we weren't aware of anything. We had Durbo, Turbo, and Zerbo. They were there. <laughs> we're going to throw bombs up the road, control wind stages, right? Oh, when the wheel, I'm going to go speed bad bus down. We got Durbo, Turbo, Zerbo, and we're going, we go. And so I don't know if they're playing a game. No, we don't know if he's got an issue, but they might be hiding something. There's, there's clearly something wrong. Because I was thinking, when I watched that Etnus finish, I was thinking of all the things he could have that I so I thought a stomach bug. But they just said off the stage. There are reasons to hide it, aren't there? We saw the other day when Geraint was off the back, Trek Segafredo went straight to the front. You know, if, if people know that you've got a weakness or an illness and you're a main contender for the race, other teams are going to want to put you completely out of the race. So it's, you know, it's, it would benefit them just to not say anything if Simon Yates is under the weather for any particular reason because they're thinking, well... If he gets through the next few days and doesn't lose too much time, comes back to where we know he should be, then he's still got a chance. But if they reveal that to us and to the public and to the other teams, they're going to put the boot in and make sure he's out of it now. One more point from today's overall picture. So Ganna went, as, as I said earlier, he went from the breakaway and, and, and went solo to win it. Thomas de Ghent and Movistar's Ina Rubio were having a little bit of a bicker just before Ghana decided to leave them to it. Um, so De Ghent has subsequently tweeted this evening, he's, he's defending the, the fact that he was clearly sort of giving Rubio what for on the road. Yes, it was teaching, you don't deserve to win if you don't do any work. It was not up to me to close every gap. And then he followed up with, when we made it into the break, he attacked. So he was not on the limit. If then he still doesn't want to pull, then that's more a mentality problem. I'm not giving him a free ride to the finish. Uh, so Rubio is 22. Thomas De Gent, we know, is uh, an old hand. Fair enough from De Gent? I think so, yeah. Um, although I, I think De Gent must have been on his limit too. I, I, don't, I don't think he would let a stage win go up the road if he'd had the legs to win it. I mean, he, he finished five minutes and 51 seconds down. Rubio came in four minutes down. Yeah, I, I mean, I could understand his frustration. I, and Rubio had a, a reason to sit on De Ghent all the way up to the point at which they caught the breakaway because he had his teammate up the, the road. But at that point, I know De Ghent was obviously thinking, well, you've no longer got a reason to sit on my wheel. You need to sort of give me some you know, turns on the front. And was obviously still getting frustrated after that. And I understand those frustrations. But, you know, De Ghent had made a... He closed a two-minute gap pretty much on his own you know he'd been riding on the front and so I don't think he had the legs when Ghana went on the slightly shallower stretches of the climb towards the end anyway um but like yeah I read the same things on Twitter and he obviously wasn't very happy with him and understandably so in my opinion Brad what did you make I of this one think, I don't know why Thomas is wasting his time this has been going on for generations you know it's called glass cranker you know 
why is he bothering worrying about it? You know, you don't have to teach him with teachings. It's like Thomas DeGent is Thomas DeGent. You put yourself in that bloke's position, right? Aside from the fact we don't know what his car was telling him to do. Sit on him. It's Thomas DeGent. He's an animal. I mean, Thomas, you know, that's up to him. I won't worry about it, Thomas. You're Thomas again. You don't have to teach it, but it's not your duty to. And you don't have to worry about getting on Twitter in the evening and putting this big, long thing out. Like, worry about tomorrow. But you imagine, Thomas is quite modest. You imagine being in the break, Thomas again, who's finished third in the Giro eight years ago. How, old, how was that lad? 22. He'd have been, what, 14. You'd probably watch Thomas finish third in the Giro up the Stelvio. I'm in the break with Thomas again. He's an animal. He eats sausages for a living. You know, you know, it's not always one side. You have to publicly shame this kid, you know. Aside from me, he's 22 and his directors go, sit on him. Thomas is strong. He's going to attack you later on. If you work with him, he's going to blow you out. Don't do any work with him. And this lad's getting shamed publicly, you know, he's like, and it, Twitter's like that, isn't it? It sort of, get, it allows people, we didn't used to have that. I mean, it's just, uh, that's what happens in bike races and you don't really know the full context to why the lad will sit on. You might have the ultimate respect for him. If I give this lad a turn, He's going to blow me away anyway. And he finished at five minutes. And if I finish at four minutes, I've beat Thomas again. And, I, you know, there's just so much context to it. I just have to see it both ways. And this lad won't reply on Twitter because it's Thomas again. I've got a lot of respect for him. And, and he's, he's better off not doing so. Another uh, old hand that we should mention, Peter Sagan, um, in yesterday's sprint finish, second by millimetres, hasn't, uh, hasn't won a race since the Tour de France last year. Uh, it was too close to call on the line almost, won by Arna Demar um, with Davide Ballerini in third. Uh, Sagan, what do we make of his chances for the rest of the race? Is, are we going to see him in the sprint jersey? Uh, who knows, but he's getting back to the Sagan of old, isn't he? And he's not a pure blood sprinter, is he? He's capable of much more. So to get with that close to Demar, he's doing well. should also mention the, the helicopter causing the, the barriers at the finish yesterday. Uh, to, to crash into two riders, Luca Wackerman, who's, um, who's out of the race now, and Etienne Van Impel, um, both from Vini Zabu KTM. Uh, a freak crash at the end of stage four. Uh, the helicopter blowing the, the safety barriers across their path. I mean, once again, we're talking about rider safety, um, and, and it seems like a very simple fix. So secure the barriers, make sure the helicopter doesn't fly too low that it, that it causes this sort of thing to happen. I mean, you, you, you've both ridden in races, surely, when you've known that the helicopter's creeping a little bit too close, right? Well, I've been in races where the helicopter's caused a, a split because it was too low. And it was in Italy, actually. I don't know. You know, without those helicopters, we don't get the images. You know, there's a lot of things about that affect the races and barriers. And, I mean, it's a freak accident. It doesn't happen every race, does it? No. But... But, it is unfortunate. It, but there's no reason for it to happen at all. I mean, what does that feel like when you've got the helicopter uh, sort of hovering that close to you as a rider? I don't, I don't know if it ever happened. Well, actually, I mean, if a helicopter was too close to me, they were following the wrong group. Uh, but no, I mean, it, it must have been bloody low to, to cause the barriers to blow into the path of some riders on the finish line. Like, incredibly low. You know, you can feel the effects of a helicopter's blades from quite a long way above you. So to manage to do that, because... I don't know, they claim that the barriers were tied down properly, etc., etc. Um, what would it it's take got, it's to got tie a lot them of barriers force. down to stop the helicopter blowing them over? Presumably, very little. But it, but it's it's a very simple thing to to fix. What does it? What's it going to take for every barrier on the route 
that has a potential to have a low helicopter stop a barrier blowing over. Well, so because it's an extreme gust of wind, isn't it? Sure, yeah, of course it is. But but then the instructions are very simple. Take. The, the instructions are very simple. Driver, so you stay a bit higher. There you go. Bang tidy. Bang tidy. No, but it's true, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, of course it is. That's the simple answer. But again, it's a very simple fix to um, something that causes uh, injury to to the yeah. pro peloton. But I'll tell you one thing. I've always said this. There are more accidents in bike races from team cars, right? Where you've got a director sportif who is on the radio, looking at a map, on his phone, and in bottles up. If you did that on the normal roads, that is driving around with due care and attention, let alone riders coming up through the peloton, they are not trained in advanced driving courses even to be doing that with two hands on a wheel. I always said that that should become illegal and you should have someone in the passenger seat with all those apparatus. And the driver is a driver, concentrating on that. Well, yeah, they, no, they do. Often the person doing the tactics is in the passenger seat, but the, you're right. They still, yeah. they, they, and, they're still doing something, aren't they? Yeah, and we've got cameras in now. This surprises me mm. a lot, actually. Yeah. Like we've, always, we've now got the footage from inside the team cars. And it was a Jumbo Vision one the other day that I was watching. I think it might have been the win when they won um, yeah. with Primo Struggles at Liège, Baston Liège. And there were some very long glances from the driver down to the, you know, the TV. They're watching telly. You can't do that on roads, can you? Well, no, and you shouldn't be able to do it like you yeah. said in the race. Even, even though they weren't going massively fast, they're still in a convoy. They don't know when rides have been yeah, dropped no. or whatever. Yeah, no, I th- I'm, I'm, a, yeah, I'm with you on that. Like, I think at some yeah. point you just need like a taxi driver that's got a to be know, a motorbike in driving to, in the tour, or you have to be a certain level of motorcycle rider. All the cameramen on the tour, all the press motorbikes are all ex-Garde de la Republica. You know, the police outriders. Um, so, but team car drivers, you didn't have the Chuckle Brothers driving a car for Wanty Goubert. But it's true. And um, no one questions that because the DS, it's, it's a willy-waving exercise. I'm the DS. Here's me bottle. Driving me knee. Pass me another bottle. You know, cars breaking up front, riders on the bonnet. It needs to be looked at. Two riders that the helicopter at Brabant's Pale were certainly following. Julian Alaphilippe uh, in the world champion's jersey and Matthew van der Poel. Um, so we almost saw a repeat of Liège-Baston-Liège today uh, in Flanders. Um, van der Poel almost pipping Alaphilippe to the line. Uh, Alaphilippe celebrating as we saw him at Liège-Baston-Liège. Van der Poel... Almost, almost getting there again. A matter of centimeters. Alaphilippe, though, first win in the in the rainbow jersey, and it's the as 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 Killian Kelly for GCN pointed out, it's the first time on the same day that the the world road race champion and the world time trial champion has won a race. Yeah, good stat that I thought. So All right, a stat well, worth repeating. How many years has it been possible to to have that stat? Since 1994, when the first World exactly. Time Trial Championship. It's not a long time, seeing how long cycling's been around. Still a good stat. Um, <laughs> All right. So, Van der Poel, I mean, Dan, you watched this one. Van der Poel and Alaphilippe duking it out together in the last 20 kilometres. They were never going to let, the other was never going to let the other one get away, uh, were they, knowing what they're capable of from distance? Uh, well, I mean, I don't think it would have mattered what happened in that race, really. As long as they were near the front, it would have been between Alaphilippe and Van der Poel. I don't really know what Van der Poel was doing in that last 200 meters. I mean, he had the perfect lead out from Benoit Kuznefoy of 82R. Yeah. And I didn't, he, he could have gone at 150 meters to go, but he just it, waited. It, it away. almost felt like he got boxed in though. He managed to get boxed in well, yeah, with, should, with two other just, riders on the road. He's gone. Like he's so fast in a sprint. He should have just gone and he would have won that race fairly easily in my opinion, but he didn't start sprinting until 50 meters to go. 
Another bit of news, Brad, that you can almost certainly relate to, Tadej Pogacar won't line up for the Tour of Flanders as previously intended on October the 18th. Uh, his team, UAE Team Emirates, say he needs a rest, which might well mean the end of his season. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I can't really relate to that because of the year we're in. Um, I carried on racing after 12, did Tour of Britain, World Championships. Um, Why did you carry on? I don't know, actually. <laughs> team wanted me to so you know extend your season as much as possible that you don't have as much hard work afterwards um we saw g at the tour of britain after he won the tour and and there was a point where he, he wanted to go for the win on the yeah. on one of the stages in, uh, i think into wrexham uh, and he just didn't have it in his legs yeah well you don't he, he clearly needed he, like, he clearly needed a rest at that point too well, well, yeah, you know, brad did the tour of britain as well the year in 2012 yeah. didn't you yeah. and, and i didn't need a rest i just well, I think stopped like training and was drinking yeah. It's like you were saying earlier, like the, yeah. the longer you can go into the season, the less chance there is of letting yourself go so much in the off-season uh, that you've got too much work to do when you start the next year. The only trouble is that once you won the Tour, you can't really go to the Tour of Britain anonymously and just get some more Ks in the legs and, and start the off-season in slightly better shape because there's a scrutiny of everyone looking at you to do something. And yeah. like you said, you know, Garrett Thomas trying to go for a stage winning Wrexham and failing, mm. but he won the Tour two months before. Okay, moving on to tomorrow's stage six of the Giro. Castro Villari to Matera, 188 kilometres across the south of Italy. Uh, officially a flat stage with a couple of climbs towards the start, no higher than 1,000 metres. A few mile climbs and descents in the closing part, leading to punchier bits in the stage finale. What are we expecting tomorrow, boys? I love that it's officially a flat stage. I was going to say, is it officially a flat Is that what it says, a flat stage? Officially a flat stage, according to the, <laughs> wow. according to the Giro, yeah. With an uphill finish. 2.6% incline to finish. Uh, so it's an 800 metre home straight, 2.6%. Yeah. Uh, so are we looking at Matthews? Are we looking at Sagan for tomorrow? Yeah. Uh, f maybe a breakaway. Who knows? Maybe a breakaway. I think it'll be a breakaway. Like, you know, that, that, there's a 12k climb at the start, I think. Or there's a long climb anyway. Long climb at the start, you know, it's, yeah. It's hard to control that. And I don't know, there's, I just don't, there's not really the team's... I don't think they'll want to control it there or indeed for the following hundred and whatever kilometres afterwards before they get into Matera. This Giro's been so unpredictable. Um, I think Sagan's going to start moving a bit now. Yeah. Maybe to break away. Tomorrow to me feels like a stage for Peter Sagan, but, yeah. but we will see. That brings us to the end of this episode of the Bradley Wiggins Show by Eurosport. Thank you to our sponsor, Alaka Bicycle Insurance. Brad, as ever, we can follow you on social media at... Sir Wigo. Sir Wigo. Dan, where can we find you being social? Sir Lloyd. I should, <laughs> I should add that you can follow Eurosport on Twitter at Eurosport underscore UK. And you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you to our producer, Pete Burton. Pete Burton. Podcast Pete. And finally from me, Graham Wilgos, it's goodbye. If you've enjoyed the show, please do subscribe, share your thoughts and rate us wherever you get your podcasts. Brad, bonus pod from you tomorrow. We'll yep. see you then. Bonus. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.